0: As we come to the word of God, let us open with prayer. Lord, we just thank you that we have heard your word read. It has touched our minds, it has touched our hearts, even to our spirit. And I pray that as we think about it more fully, that we would hear what is really said in this first part of Ephesians chapter 1. Bless us. Let us hear what you have to say to us today. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. When was the last time you wondered if your life mattered? When was the last time you wondered if you were making a difference? When was the last time you questioned the importance of your life? Maybe it was today. Maybe it was last week. Maybe it is happening regularly because of this time of isolation. It's important for us to understand the answers to these questions we ask those questions about ourselves time and time again well today we are starting a 12-week series in the book of Ephesians that I am calling the secret of living a better life in the book of Ephesians we'll see how it shows how our lives do matter how we do make a difference and how our lives are important in a time when the church is in turmoil over how to fulfill the call and the command of God, and new forms of church are emerging, we need to pay attention to the most concentrated vision of the church and all of scripture, found here in the book of Ephesians, in a time where people throughout the world are feeling half dead, even though they are technically alive. We need to understand how God has brought us from death to life in Christ. In a time when people are increasingly divided, when churches are splitting, when the world seems poised for self-destruction, we need the mystery of God's will to be known, understood, and lived out. In the book of Ephesians, we will experience words from the Apostle Paul. We will see that even in this time when we feel disconnected from each other and from the world, we have the truth of God's word. And so through the Apostle Paul, he's gonna reveal God to us in a way that changes our lives and helps us to see how our church and our lives matter. Paul begins in Ephesians chapter one, verse three, in this section of that passage with the words, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul uses this statement to set up the whole book of Ephesians. We are to have the mindset of praising God, of thanking God. When someone does something nice for you, maybe they open a door or they let you borrow a pen or they help you carry someone, your immediate response is thank you. You're thanking them for being kind and nice and for helping you. Well, when God is constantly doing these things in our life, we need to not only notice them, recognize them, but we need to thank God and really we need to give praise to God for what he is doing. When our lives have an attitude of praise, then we have a clear understanding of the world because we see God as creator and provider. Second, we have the mindset that there's a purpose for this world and God has designed this purpose. And third, we are thankful of God's blessings to us. And in response to this, we give praise to God as the last part of Ephesians 1.3 says, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. The fact that God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing can be easily misunderstood to think that it is to that time when we die and we go to heaven. That's the, the heavenly realm, correct? That's where we receive these blessings. Yet, in Ephesians, the heavenly realms refers not to a a physical space, like the skies, or a place we go after death, like heaven, but rather to a reality which Christ is active both now and into the future. When we put our faith in Christ, though we live on earth, we also begin to live now in the heavenly realms. And in this life, we begin to experience the spiritual blessings of God. That is, good things that come through the mediation of the Holy Spirit. We understand that the praise we are to give begins with God blessing us with the gift of life. And then through Christ, eternal life, God chooses us, loves us, and adopts us as His children, forgives us, reveals to us His will, gives us purpose for living, and fills us with His Spirit. In light of these blessings and so many more, respond by thanking God and giving praise to God with our words and our deeds and our lives bringing him glory. You can see how this alone gives us a better way to live. If this is our focus then our fears will fade and our spirit rejoices. When Tammy and I discovered that we were pregnant with our first child who now we know to be Tyler at that time we decided that we did not want to know the sex of the baby and so we picked up a girl name and a boy name. And even though I didn't know whether we're going to have a girl or a boy, I began to pray for that child. I was excited for that child. I loved that child. And of course, when he was born, we named him Tyler. In Ephesians 1.4, Paul says, speaking of God, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Ephesians 1.4 reveals that God thought of you before you were conceived. Actually, this verse suggests that God thought of you before the creation of the world. And he didn't just think about you. He also chose you in Christ to be holy and blameless in his sight. This is a mind-blowing and transforming truth. The truth is, God thought of you and chose you before he created the world. You are that important to him. Even as my son, and of course also my daughter, mean the world to me, so you mean the world to God. In fact, it might be better to say you mean the universe to God. Let me encourage you to keep in mind the fact that God keeps you in mind. He has been thinking of you ever since the beginning of time. And even before that, according to Ephesians 1.4, God's epic begins not just with the creation, not just with the world that he formed, but even before that. This verse reveals that God chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. The first act of God's story is not the formation of the physical world, but rather God's gracious decision to make us his own and to set us apart for his purposes. God did this, by the way, with full foreknowledge full, full of sin and with a plan to deal with that sin. And we continue in Ephesians. We will learn more about God's plan along the way. As Paul tells us that more and more. And so we are blessed by God that he chose us and gave us life and purpose. In a a Peanuts comic strip, uh, Charlie Brown is walking along and he encounters Lucy. And he looks discouraged, looks down, like he often is. And so Lucy says to him, discouraged again, eh, Charlie Brown? You know what your trouble is? The whole trouble with you is that you're you. Charlie Brown thinks about that for a moment, and then he responds, well, what in the world can I do about that? To which Lucy answers, I don't pretend to give advice. I merely point out the trouble. Because we have sin in our life, we can often feel like the trouble is you. The trouble is me. But because God has a plan, we can understand that this problem of sin has been dealt with and overcome. Ephesians 1.7 says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Think about this. We have redemption, the the act of of being saved through Christ's blood shed for us on the cross. And we have forgiveness. Our sins and our our penalty are, are washed away and removed. This is the grace of God, grace, a gift given to us that we don't deserve, and we don't earn. When I was in seminary, I was a part-time junior high director at the church, and and I didn't make much money, but I had enough to to pay my bills and and a little extra. Well, One day, someone in the church, a very wealthy man in the church, owned his own plane and traveled all over the place he invited me to go skiing with him in Utah well the problem was he invited a lot of other people and when he finally counted how many people he actually invited he realized that there wasn't room for me on his plane so he paid for my plane tickets to go to Utah he played for my hotel he paid for my food he paid for my ski rentals he paid for my lift tickets in fact because of him everything I had on that trip was covered by him. What a generous act that was. When the Apostle Paul tells us in verse 8 that God lavished his grace on us, it means that everything is covered by Christ's sacrifice. Another secret in understanding how to live a better life is to receive God's lavish gift and to let it lead you to want to make a difference with your life, to seek to love as God loves and to help others as God helps you and and to lavish God's love on others. For so many, life is a mystery. People are searching for the meaning of life. People are trying to make sense of why they are here. Especially in this time of isolation, people are trying to find a way in their life that can make a difference, to be productive, to have meaning. People are trying to experience more than just getting through the day. Ephesians 1, 9-10, Paul says, He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. If you want to know the answer to life's questions, the answers are in the Bible. They're given by God, the one who created all things and knows all things and reveals those things in his time to those who seek him. If we want to know God, if we want to know his plan for the world and for our lives, if we want to know our purpose for living, then we need to allow God to reveal himself and his mystery to us this mystery is focused in christ just like the rest of god's saving work even more we are told that god's mystery is to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment or another way to say that is at just the right moment the saving restoring work of christ didn't happen by accident But according to God's sovereign plan, thus we are reminded today of God's being over all things, even time. God works all things together for the good at the right time. Of course, God's timing might not necessarily be like our own. Sometimes he might seem inexcusably slow. Or sometimes he surprises us with the swiftness of his grace. Yet no matter how we might feel about God's timing, it is always the best. We are blessed by God that he lavished his grace upon us. As we come to the last section of our study today, verses 11 to 14, we read verse 11. It says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. We are God's people in Christ. We belong to God in a special way because he has chosen us. We are his portion, his prized inheritance. Even more, we are told that it is God who works all things according to his purpose. God is working. He's not just sitting up in the heaven, taking a nap. He's not waiting for us to do something before he acts. God is always at work. God is always acting on his behalf. God is doing things in this world for His purposes. Even in this time, when it doesn't seem like much is happening. This is nothing new, of course. The very first line of the Bible reveals that God was at work. God, uh, Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. God is active in creation, and then, because of sin, active in redemption and restoration. As Jesus says in John chapter 5 verse 17, "My Father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working." He is working to conform all things according to his will. And we too are to be working. At least we should be working on God's behalf as things as God has created us, beings created in his image, We are to be active stewards of God's creation and participants in his redemptive activity. Our work is not just what we do to make a living. Our work should be essential to all that we do in life, that we would live well, that we would live fruitfully, and that we would live meaningfully. Here's another secret to a better life. When we work for God and when we bear fruit. We are blessed all the more, and we experience this life that God has for us to the full. The passage concludes verses 13 to 14. Paul says, When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. People are always asking if God's word is truth. Ephesians 1.13 points to a different kind of evidence for the truth of the gospel. Again, it says, When you believe the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you were marked in Christ with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. See, Paul explains that when you put your trust in Christ Jesus, As Savior and Lord, when you put your faith in Him, when you believe in Him, not only did you receive the gift of salvation, but you also received a special kind of seal. In the ancient world, the owners of property, they put a seal on their property to show it belonged to them. Paul uses the same kind of language here when he says that you were sealed by God to the gift of the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Spirit in your life says that you belong to God. The Spirit also reassures us of this fact, if you ever doubt it. Ever doubt that you are God's. You might wonder how you can know that you've been sealed by the Spirit. Well, the best way to know is that God's Spirit will transform your life. I mean, that's really one of the overarching themes of the book of Ephesians, that when we come to Christ, that our lives will be lived differently because Christ comes into our life and transforms our life. How we live, how we speak, how we love is all transformed by Christ to be in the order, the example of Christ. So we are blessed by God and that we are his prized inheritance. There's a wonderful hymn called Praise to the Lord the Almighty. And I want to sing a portion of it for you this morning.
1: Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. O oh, my soul, praise Him, for He is Thy health and salvation. All ye who hear, now to his temple draw me, praise him in glad adoration. Praise to the Lord, oh let all that is in me adore him. All that hath life and breath come now with praises before. Let the young man sound from his people again. Gladly, for I, we adore him.
0: So often people hear about living a better life. And they think about improved relationships, or a better job, or becoming healthier. And these things very well will happen when you live for God, seek God, and trust in God. But those are just external fixes. I am talking this morning about internal fixes. The best way to live your life is to let Christ transform you internally by understanding that our main purpose in life is to praise God, to live for Him, to be fruitful for His kingdom, and to live according to His will. If you miss these things, then you will continually be searching in your life as God's prized inheritance chosen by God and recipients of his grace may we live this better life that Paul has spoken to us this morning let us pray